preach one in Jesus' name this morning. Certainly a blessing to be back in Minnesota, and particularly Prairie, with people that I love and appreciate. Um, I always prepare my messages before I look at Sunday school lesson. <clears throat> I suppose that's because of the urgency of the task and the priority priorities involved. So this morning we are going to continue our Sunday school lesson. The title of the message is Fighting the Good Fight. Turn with me to your Bibles to First Timothy six. We will read through verse 16. Beginning at verse 1. Let, at, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort... If they may teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions, and strifes of words, cometh, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the truth, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who, hath only who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man approach, can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So within this passage of Scripture, the reason why I start in verse 1 we have people who are not honoring God and they uh, um, teach false doctrine and they do things that do not please God. And all that ends up... <sighs> I got a cold and the sneezes, so uh, watch out. That one went away. <clears throat> Where was I? Anyhow, that ends up in, in uh, 
strife and envy and evil railings and surmisings and perverse disputings and all kinds of things that uh, certainly we don't want to be a part of. He says, withdraw yourself. And then he talks about money and he talks about the temptation to snare and and how people get drowned in it and uh, yeah, I guess they can't get any air after they get down in there and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows, and then he comes, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, what he's talking about previous, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And then he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And implying that if doing that, we can lay hold on eternal life, and that our witness is going to be consistent. The people around us are going to be encouragement. And, um, and then he says, you should keep this commandment. And uh, until Jesus comes. And then he, and he gives an example, or he expounds on uh, who God is. Now, we're here this morning... Uh, council meeting um, I express peace with God and man fighting at peace can you do both I would like to propose this morning that if we're going to be at peace with God and man, we are going to have to be in a combat role. We are going to have to be fighting. There's no such thing as a non-combat role in, in this fight that we're in. Now, in the military, uh, in the past, some conscientious objectors kind of went about halfway and said, well, join the military, we're in a non-combat role. Well, they got some pretty rude surprises. When push came to shove and they needed men, um, they didn't really care how you were classified. They slapped the gun in your hand and said, go out and shoot. And, uh, but there's no such thing as a non-combat role. Um, you see... No one can be at peace with Satan. That's an impossibility. Can't happen. You can't be at peace with Satan. I don't care if you're Christian or you're non-Christian. You can't be at peace with Satan. Um, you, there can be compromise. We can compromise with the devil, but we can't be at peace with him simply because of his personality. So, if I'm going to be at peace with God, if I'm going to say I have peace with God and I have peace with my fellow man, then there's going to have to be some fighting going on. And I mean some serious fighting. There has to be a line drawn. We have in our Sunday school lesson this morning, when David said, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? He said, 
And because he saw the call, because the vision was clear of what was really happening here, we talk about Sunday school, you know, what was really happening, here's this measly little man, 10 feet small, defying God. And David come walking in there, and he said, Isn't there not a cause? And because he saw a cause, he was willing to step across the line. And he was willing to get involved. See, we this morning cannot be on the devil's side of the line and be at peace with God. I said that. If we're going to be at peace with God, we've got to be over the line on God's side. And I don't think we're going to be dabbling around at the line and not really know what side we're going to be on. Nobody that watched that whole scene transpire in front of those armies had any doubt which side of the line David was on. No doubt in their mind whatsoever. He didn't hem haul around. He didn't he wasn't proud, he wasn't arrogant, but it was clear as crystal. We have to be warriors. We have to be in combat with the devil. And in that combat is also included the world and the culture that we live in and my own personal self. My own personal flesh. Now I'm going to reread a poem that Arnie wrote, read the other couple, I know, a month or two ago, and I'm going to read it again because I'm so impressed with this poem. And it's entitled, True Heroism. Let others write of battles fought, of bloody, ghastly fields, where honor meets the man who wins and death the man who yields. But I will write of him who fights and vanquishes his sins, who struggles on through weary years against himself and wins. He is a hero, staunch and brave, who fights an unseen foe and puts at last beneath his feet his passions, base and low, who stands erect in manhood's might undaunted, undismayed. The bravest man who drew a sword in foray or in raid. It calls, it calls for something more than brawn or muscle to overcome an enemy who marcheth not with banner, plume, or drum. A foe forever lurking nigh with silent, stealthy tread. Forever neath your board by day, at night beside your bed. All honor then to that great brave heart, though poor or rich he be, who struggles with his baser part, who conquers and is free. He may not wear a hero's crown or fill a hero's grave, but truth will place his name among the bravest of the brave. So, yes, 
There are foes out there. There are foes around us in our world, but there are also foes within. And so if I am going to fight the good fight, that involves me and my flesh. If I'm going to be at peace with God, I cannot, I cannot cater to my flesh. We talk about worldliness, and that's very valid. We can talk about the powers that be, and that's very valid. We can talk about the, about the uh, strength of the devil, and that's very valid. But let's not forget our biggest enemy, and that's ourself. Someone has said, The healthiest man has enough lethal bacteria in him to kill him within 24 hours, except for one thing, the amazing power of the human organism to resist bacterial attack. Every mortal body must fight its internal enemies day and night. Once it surrenders, its, once it surrenders, its out, hours are numbered. Quite literally, it must fight or die. We know that, don't we? But we don't think about it. What's going on here, on here physically? When I inhale all this bacteria in the air and all the junk outside and whatever, and my, my body's fighting 24-7, 24-7, taking all that junk and killing it and killing it and killing it. And, and people that fight uh, cancer, in order to get rid of those enemies, they have to reduce their immunity system. And then we have, that's the challenge, you know, the balance of all that. But that's the way it is spiritually. Once I give up, I'm done. We got to fight 24-7. True, the world lives in a hostile environment. Do we understand how hostile our environment is? <clears throat> Not only could our enemies destroy us, but they're meant to destroy us. Satan sets them up to destroy us. And that's why I find it such a blessing that God puts in His mercy and His kindness and His love, He puts within us the third part of the Trinity in order to kill, to destroy all that garbage that comes into, into our lives. The Holy Spirit. You and I, without the Holy Spirit, would collapse. We'd be gone in 24 hours. There's nothing to fight. We, we don't have enough internal resistance. We would collapse. <clears throat> See, having the fullness of the Holy Spirit isn't optional. It's the only way we can survive. We have to have it. If we go against what the Holy Spirit, if I go against what the Holy Spirit tells me, and I quench the Spirit, I am creating an environment for my demise spiritually. 
That's the way it is. I'm setting myself up. I'm reducing my resistance. I set myself up for spiritual death. We have to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to resist that devil and to be at peace with God. It's kind of like another illustration. It would be like going through a robber-infested forest of some sort. Uh, you just don't know where it's going to come next. You know it's there. You know it's a threat. You don't know where... But we must fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes our flesh is so real to us we don't even recognize the enemy. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And if I cater to my flesh my flesh puts a veil between me and God. I can't really see God the way I should. But we're tempted. We're tempted to want to escape. Ever been there? Seems like things are overwhelming. The Israelites were. They wanted to get out of there, man. I mean, this man is nine feet, ten feet tall. And he's flashing around the sun, and he's cursing their gods, and there's whatever, and they just they just like I, I went out of here, man. I just went out of here. This is this is way too much. <clears throat> but if we're going to be at peace with God, we cannot escape the struggle. We cannot escape the battle. There's no in between. <clears throat> Unless we want to compromise and accept low-grade powerless Christianity. See, if we compromise, then the devil knows he's got us. So, probably won't give you half his heart of time. He knows he's got you. He knows he's got you compromised. He knows that you're not in it. He knows you're willing to diddle around to right there about the line he know or even on his side a little bit and make some kind of a confession <clears throat> but as long as he's got you stunted as long as he's got you uh, harmless eh it takes the pressure off true but you're not right with God We cannot afford to attempt to function as Christians without the blessing of God. We cannot afford. So the Bible says, examine yourselves. We use another illustration. What happens if... Uh, Spring comes, you get all the 
this spring fever of planting a garden and so you go out there and you till it up and make rows drive a stake and a string and throw it straight and you hold the rows and put everything in and then go in the house and you never examine your garden. Very soon I tried that one year. First year we were married. <clears throat> we didn't have a garden where we lived. We rented so we put one over her place and so her mom her mom and dad's place. And so we planted a garden and we decided well we'll go over to the fall and we'll collect you know Guess what happened? We got in a uh, it was an argument, but uh, a, a discussion where we planted it. We couldn't even find where we planted the garden. That's what happens when we don't examine ourselves. Pretty soon the Christian life it just becomes non-existent. Well, it was there one time or the other. I mean, it was over here. Well, I don't think it was. That That's too far from where Mom and Dad had their garden. I thought we planted right beside. No, we had a little gap in between and we looked around and you can't, where's your Christian life at? It's gone. It's gone. Because you never examined it. You never pulled the weeds. You never fought. The weeds. You never fought the bugs. You never fought all the things you got to fight in the garden. So, what do you get? Total failure. Total failure. Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We need to draw near. So when you fight I wonder what David felt like the night that night when he laid down on his bed after he killed Goliath. I wonder what he felt like. And then I'd like to ask a question, just to stimulate our thinking, what would he have felt like if he hadn't fought the battle. If he would have went to bed like every other Israelite in the army for 40 days. You think him men laid down at peace? Oh, yeah. Praise God. Oh, this is wonderful. No. They knew it was coming the next day. The enemy was unfought. Undestroyed, and we demoralize him, demoralizing them day after day after day, 40 days in a row. 
David could lay down peace with God. Peace with God. I am sure that he laid down that night with a true heart. He had a heart full of assurance and faith. He did not have an evil conscience. And he, was, he laid down as a man pure before God. Because he stepped across the line, he recognized the cause, and he had an experienced peace. So this morning when we give our testimonies, uh, peace with God and man, I, I, I don't, uh, how can I say this? I don't like people jumping up and down and praising the Lord and all that stuff. And I don't plan to do that this morning. But it's almost a celebration. I have fought a good fight for six more months. And I am at peace with God. Tremendously encouraging. Tremendously encouraging. Six more months. So, this morning we're going to have each one give their testimony of peace with God and man. I would like to say that I have peace with God and man. I'm not a fellow man as far as I know. Um, I feel small as a leader in the church. I, you know, appeared this morning in our Sunday school lesson. They said, you know, well, if the leader copped out, you can't expect anybody else to take it on. Uh, that's seriously sobering to me. Seriously sobering to me. And I seem weak, I guess. I, and I suppose that's the way it's supposed to be also. But pray for my... Uh, that I would have faith in God. That I know what the cause is. And that I embrace that cause. 